Hello and welcome to another episode of the Community Fabric podcast, where we're bringing the network community to the table to talk about the things that matter to them most in their day to day. I'm Darren Falwell, your host for today's recording, where we're going to dig into a topic that just keeps giving and giving, and that's network automation, of course. I'm joined by someone who's built a reputation for teaching and leading by example in the network automation space. Rick, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, Darren. Thanks. Yep, so I'm Rick Donato. I'm the founder of Packet Coders, which is an online network automation training platform. And yeah, it's great to be here. Really looking forward to kind of digging into some of this stuff with you. No, it's great. Great to have you uh, with us, Rick. And, and obviously, we've uh, spent a lot of time talking about some of this stuff before. So uh, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be able to bring some insight to the table today. Um, where to start, really, I suppose? I mean, the, the this is always the biggest challenge, I think, when, when people are sort of talking about network automation projects, isn't it? Do you do you start from the ground up or do you start from the top down? Are you thinking about the, what the individual needs to do? Are you thinking about what your business needs? I guess, I mean, you've had experience of, of actually delivering projects and, and, and working with individuals as well. What Let's start there. What What's your sort of thoughts on on where we actually start with when we're talking about network automation? Yeah, I think for me, I, it definitely comes down. It all starts with the use case. Hmm. Like if you've got a golden use case, you're you're going to do well. Right. And um, I, I certainly know this from experience because I've had great use cases and my code has been absolutely terrible. <laughs> but, I, but the tool succeeded in returning a lot of value because yeah. you know that that use case has always been really good but yeah i mean it's always good to start off with that with that use case and i think the other thing to to think about is when it when it comes to network automation it's really easy to kind of get bamboozled with all of the different tools and things that you can do right because you know networks are pretty complicated things right and so yeah one of the things i always like to kind of divide network automation to three pillars right um so we have testing you have configuration and you have observability right and so like testing is all about obviously testing the network and how it's running or you know the configuration before it goes out to the network you know tools like batfish etc and you've got configuration you've got your whole pushing your config out generating your config and you've got the observability the you know getting the information back, asking questions, you know, the telemetry, monitoring, all, all of that area. So when you're talking about testing, you're talking about really uh, what, having the data available to make a reasoned decision about what the, the config should be or what, what what's, the, or, or is it is it the whole picture of once the config has been pushed, being able to test that it's, that it's gone out the way you expect it to? Yeah, so I mean, to be honest, each each of those pillars is its own little ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. with with testing, it's either testing the config before it's even hit the network, right? Like pre-testing. Yeah. Or yeah. post-testing, is the network running as expected? Right. So are we seeing the right amount of prefixes? All of that. Yeah. All of that stuff. Um. So you got those, and that, that I normally frame it and, and look at it in that way, and then you can kind of think about you know those use cases and those tools 
um, and you can kind of fit them into those different domains. But ultimately, like coming coming back to your question of uh, where to where to start, I would really say a good good place to start is with the with the use case. But a typical way that folks normally go about things is, you know, you you look at that low hanging fruit, and also you know those easy to deal with use cases but also read only doing read only operations against right. the network is a really really good way of of starting out in automation it's less risky um it's just it's an it's a nice way to be able to kind of go about things without um i suppose thinking about it from a from a sort of operation standpoint i mean uh, you know i i done this millions of times i'm sure you have as well the whole thing of trawling around the network trying to gather data for some reporting or or some some audit or or those sorts of sorts of scenarios or even preparation for a change like you said there's that's a lot of work it's grunt right that that no one needs to to do the the logging into devices the the capturing a piece of data then moving on to the next one and doing the same thing and, and whatever and trying to work out how things are put together um i guess what you're saying there is that 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 in itself is a is a useful um way in right because it's because it like you say it doesn't have any impact other than on your time and, and energy wasted trawling around the network yeah 100 yeah, percent. yeah yeah no, definitely definitely it's a good way it's a good way to go um i mean the other thing i would say as well is and i'd al always suggest this is and i've seen it many times is you get folks really interested about network automation and they've got this idea for this tool and they sit and build this tool over you know they might be in the company for years and years yeah. and they've built this tool and they have this big kind of monolith or this big kind of coupled system and they they leave and everyone's like whoa i've got this thing running in my network which is doing a lot and everyone's frightened of this thing <laughs> like don't want to touch it it runs and you know i've seen I've, I've kind of seen that happen quite a lot where people try to either build these you know big systems or you know these these big things and i i, I really think it's a good way to go about about automation is is, is trying to either build a you know a nice small library yeah that's not coupled to anything that can be used in different areas yeah and that is going to be flexible or adding something to an existing framework right right, right? so you know you know adding that task to Nornir or adding a, a a good good playbook to whatever the framework might be yeah yeah so basically bringing together pre-existing tools um, to and you may not use the full functionality of those tools, I guess, you know, you, you may just want a part of that functionality, but bringing them together. And and I don't want to use the word pipeline, but 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 I suppose that that, that fits into the big picture of of DevOps going forward. But but being able to take aspects of those tools but bring them together to create that that playbook or or whatever that that actually basically puts all the data together from these different tools in order to give you the output you're looking for rather than sitting coding a great big um a great big script or, or whatever that someone's not going to be able to maintain and, and and manage once you've upped and left right 
Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest, so, I mean, I've done this myself, to be fair. And so I was like, I had... <laughs> probably all have, right? When, when we tr- we're trying to get this thing going and, and it's there in your head, right? Got to go do this thing. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, so a good example of this and something that I've done before, I'm like, I wanted to build a tool which done upgrades on, you know, not different, um, well, it was load balancers at the time. Right. And that's all good. And I was like, right, okay, I want to build want to build an API for it I want to build a UI and you know you build this system I rolled up my sleeves built this thing in Django but ultimately when I left and someone said actually I want to I want to put a front end onto this to be fast API mm-hmm. or actually I don't want to use the Django UI or whatever the all the different bits and you had this kind of weird coupling it just makes it difficult yeah. for folks and because they have to take it apart again right and and almost reverse engineer it in order to um to make any changes or or maintain it yeah yeah 100 percent. so like yeah. i'm probably going off at a bit of a tangent but know. you know you have that use case start off read only but when you are when you are building a tool of some sort and you know this is probably a little bit outside of maybe kind of playbooks and stuff but if, you, if you're building something within python hmm. it's just build build that library and yeah. then go from there then get it into django then get it into whatever it might be and and I still I still see that quite a lot I, I it's always good to kind of get that get your library on its own completely decoupled and it's going to make your life and other people's lives lives a lot easier as you move forward that's an interesting point because because yeah I mean I suppose I was thinking of, about that in terms of the, the the individual tools right but what you're talking about is once you're once you're into the development side of things still having that structured approach so you're breaking it up into um in in, not even into modules and classes you're talking about taking it further into creating your own libraries and uh, and i guess i guess this is this is an interesting point so this is like prop proper development principles here isn't it this is about building individual testable libraries of code that you can um that can stand alone and then be reused by other people, not necessarily trying to achieve the same outcome you are, but potentially still using the logic or whatever that you've defined in those libraries. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's, that's a really good point. And, and I suppose, so here's here's a question, right? So so you've, you've talked there about specifically about the, the coding principles and, and everything. Is coding something that that that's critical then or, or understanding the coding approaches um to to network automation more generally do you think do you mean to be able to kind of get benefits from network automation you right i mean i mean it's yeah. it kind of it can't kind of as i say you can have tools individual tools that you put together on a on a on a command line that you run and does one thing and then you chain that into another one that does another thing and so on um and so there's logic behind behind that and and whatever but if you're using a framework like a nornir or or whatever bringing that into python understanding uh, the, the way you structure a python um i'm i'm going down a bit of a bit of a rabbit hole here but 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 does does coding in python become something that's critical or is it or is it that you're going to be able to get better results if you're able to understand and and develop in that way what do you think 
Yeah, I think, um, I mean, to, to, to get the benefits from, you know, automated pipelines and et cetera, et cetera, it's always going to be, and not necessarily just Python, but any of the, the, the kind of coding sure. constructs is, is going to be really, really useful. I think as things have become more abstracted, so like, you know, frameworks like Ansible, mm. you could very much well have folks just knowing about, you know, data formats. So just knowing YAML. Sure. Uh, so it does get interesting because, you know, where does that, where does yeah. that line kind of sit? Because, well, if I'm putting something into YAML, then to be fair, you know, you're going to be going down the IAC route and you're going to, going to want to version control it so you're probably going to need to know git so yeah there's an element there's an element of that but it's an interesting question because ultimately you know you've got a lot of engineers out there that aren't aren't coders right yeah but, yeah but they they know their networking right yeah <laughs> really really well so for them to be able to look at a change request which has some some data attributes which are laid out in YAML ready to be pushed out to the workflow. That's going to be really useful. Yeah, they yeah, might yeah. not need to know the ins and outs of return codes and CI. Yeah, but but they but they know at least the basics of data formats in terms of arrays, key value pairs. Sure, sure. So it so it becomes more of a um, more of a, an understanding of data and data transformation and and those sorts of things, rather than, and I suppose APIs to a point because that data needs to perhaps be fed into APIs and retrieved from APIs, but not necessarily the mechanics of how to do that um, from a from a coding standpoint. Yeah, I you know I love the fact you you've said that because a lot of the conversations when you're talking about network automation it naturally always seems to flow back to data. Yeah, and it is it is all about the data, right? Totally. I mean, I, I've, one of my colleagues is going to love this when he hears this because um, he he basically talks about being a, a data guy, um, and when you start him down a path of um, getting him to explain what it is that that we do. It's all about building data that's got value, right? Based on on unstructured, chaotic in some cases, information that's out spread across this a big distributed system that's the network, and that's that's the key here, isn't it? This is about getting insight and being able to 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 which is actionable, because by understanding the structure and what it is that that you need to pull from that data. Yeah, definitely, and. Like we're talking about data originally the around this point it was originally around kind of like the the input mm. ultimately now we're getting more and more data f out from the network with tools you know batfish or <clears throat> suzy q it's about well how do we structure that that query and again yeah. that comes back to knowing your network knowing your networking yeah, yeah, yeah. say well i want this value and this value and if not that to to kind of do that exploration yeah, because you, you've got to understand how those things relate, right? And um, um, and what it means for them to relate. You know, it's like, well, why is the MTU important here when I'm running OSPF, you know, across this link or et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's being able to pull those data points and then give meaning to them um, in the context of the network that you're working with. Now, I think I think this is this is fascinating because it, it 
it gives this it puts this in a completely different um, light to me that then it becomes about okay I have this data what can I do with it and where where does it take me because this isn't now just about pushing config or into devices is it this is about being able to help people understand what their network's doing and why it is doing what it's doing and what they can do you know beyond that so building building into the bigger ecosystem so it's not you know this is and again apis are coming in here this is you might have a, an itsm a cmdb you might have like you've mentioned observability and i think there's a really interesting um you know there's lots of interesting things to be said there yeah definitely definitely it's all, all about the data yeah. Data, right? No, absolutely. So uh, I'm going to um, change tack a little, and 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 we've talked a little bit about some of the tooling uh, and everything that that uh, that certainly that you've come across. Do you have like a a particular framework that you like to work with? You know, just you walk walk into a a, a customer environment for the first time, and someone says, right, we want to do some. We, we want to do some network automation. We don't really know exactly what the use cases are yet. We're working those through. Is there like a go-to minimum viable product sort of ecosystem that you would have in mind before you even start? Or is it very much focused on those use cases? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, so a lot of it's going to be based on, you know, the customer, the, the yeah. client, you know, who, because ultimately my go-to is, I would say like a nor near stack. Yeah, I'm, I'm making the hands in <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comments at the moment, right? The quotes are in but, full effect. And I do that because, you know, I say the nor near stack of, you know, nor near is the config management framework. Yeah. And under that, you've got your Napalm, Scrapply, or if, if you need to, uh, Net, NetMiko. I, I love that framework. And I think they, it's just great. Really yeah. clean, lean. It's really good. But ultimately, I get that, you know, a lot of folks aren't going to want to roll their own Python. They're going to need a bit more and or they might even have Ansible already in-house. Sure. And so they might want to use Ansible as a framework. So but my, my go to would be nor near for the right. config management side of things anyway. I think it's a great it's a great tool. But yeah, I mean, Ansible is also it's also great, right? Yeah, I, I, so much with it. I like the way that you you've sort of frame this though, based on the operationally i suppose what you leave behind right because because you know you are not going to be there for, for forever when you're writing the tool or whatever and, and putting things together it has to be able to be managed and supported and operated when you move away right so so i think that's the probably the key point almost isn't it yeah no definitely definitely and i think i mean that's from the the kind of config management side of, mm. side of things for testing I'm a huge fan of PyTest as right. a framework. And so, like I say, PyTest being plug-in PyTest, PyTest being your kind of your runtime, and then you plug that into tools like Scrapply or Napalm or whatever right. whatever tooling you might wanna you might wanna use. But um again, that's a it's a really clean and it's a really lean framework. It's really sure really good to use. But and that's Again, and now that's the same for me as what we just spoke about with the Ansible side of things, right? Because right. with the Ansible side of things, Ansible versus Nornir, have you got the experience in the house, the support? 
and the same comes like PyTest for me versus like the the all batteries included framework of something like PyATS. PyATS, yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously PyATS gives you the runtime, but it gives you all of the other bits as well. But sure, you know, you might want that added level of comfort. The fact that it's from Cisco, the fact that there's yeah, yeah, yeah. an online online community you can easily I was gonna say to. um and all those videos and training materials and all the rest of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and no, John, definitely. And John Capabianco there uh, on on YouTube uh, <laughs> teaching you teaching you the ways of the the ways of John. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Love that guy. He's um, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Great. He's amazing. So yeah. much energy and. Uh, the stuff he's been doing with with chat gpt and stuff lately as well is uh absolutely i mean hilarious and yet you know just opening people's eyes right as to to what what you can do when you when you can bring tools together like this yeah definitely and i remember speaking to him once and i said you know how, how do you frame like what you're doing out there and he and the, uh, I always remember this and he, he said to me well I just consider myself as um like I just a gardener I just go out there and I just I'm just doing my gardening and I'm like that's a great way of putting it you're just going out there <laughs> learning you're kind of doing a bit of this it's and that's what you need to do with all of this stuff is just try it yeah. out and get it's, your hands it, on. it's great when you can when you can have uh, and that's what I love I love about 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 where we are I suppose the, the fact the community now exists um there are so many people who are just going out there and trying stuff right and but then sharing the results and and it gives you almost too much sometimes <laughs> too much too many ideas to go at and and whatever but certainly you know that there's support in in whatever you're trying to achieve um which uh, is interesting yeah there is there is so, the quality of tools out there now is is unreal I think. I mean, especially if you look at something like Scrapply, like you install something like Scrapply out of the box, yeah, for just kind of do some some SSH handling. I mean, out of the box, it's got no dependencies. Like it's such a solid tool. Um, I'm talking about the just the, from my view on Python. Like I'm, sure, sure. I've not done too much with Go because I know there's there's Go libraries and stuff out there. But sure. I mean, yeah, there's so many so many tools, and it kind of now lends itself to well we've got all the all of the tools it's how do we put these things together into yeah. a good solid workflow to, I to kind of make things work and and that's where where it's time to to be creative and i suppose comes back to to the use cases again right and and it's like look understand what those use cases are build the the, the workflows at a high level to 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 see how you then put those tools together because if the tools are there um i guess that's the thing isn't it up to up till fairly recently i suppose people were still uh, rolling their own very much so yeah and there's two i kind of always feel there's that kind of two ends to it because you've got this nirvana state where you've got this big system that just runs by itself everything's <laughs> stitched together you never have to get involved and it's just everything's just working really you know seamlessly but that takes a lot of work and also a lot of upkeep. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with just doing this thing. And I say doing this thing, i.e. automating the network and, and you know, just kind of building out these, these scripts, et cetera, but doing it yeah. bit by bit, you know, yeah. and going, you do need to go on the journey because if you're going to start off at the, try to start at the Nirvana side, 
it's going to be difficult and it's yeah. going to be hard to get those wins. You want to kind of do it bit by bit. Yeah, it, uh, it's really interesting for me because, because I mean, having gone through, I mean, I was a, you know, been in networking a long time, was an engineer, was a was a designer, was a consultant, architect, and and having worked those through, the whole point of what I was trying to achieve at the end, um, as I moved out of, you know, moved towards that network architecture side of things, was to build a network that was supportable, right? Because because if it wasn't supportable, then you were never going to achieve any of the outcomes that you were looking for so that was always the first thing and in a way what you're talking about is is the same thing right it's it's not not try and build this all-encompassing incredible thing because it's going to be so labyrinthine and really difficult to, to sort of understand what's going on under the hood that as soon as you walk away and it comes back to the point again as soon as you walk away no one's going to be able to pick pick up the reins and carry on with it because they don't understand how it's put together and it has to be um, part of of normal operations right so so i guess what you're describing is if you've got a process to do a thing now take that process and automate it it still is that process to do that thing but it now isn't this version of it rather than that version of it and then you just go through and gradually all of your processes you you replace with um with an automated approach i guess yeah or just if you've got a process just automate one step mm. you can then you know you don't even need to automate all of the steps yeah or, you know you can then just literally jump into one of those steps and it's not ideal because it's manually triggered but you know it's just, I always think at the moment, I've been doing a lot around um, one of the new courses that I'm just about to bring out, which is around mm. pandas. And for me, that's a really good example of this because, you know, you might have a workflow where you've got this spreadsheet um, that people are inputting. Where you yeah. don't necessarily need to get rid of the spreadsheet, which is not, it's, it's a form of, it's an input mechanism for folks, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially if you're not te technical. But you could then easily convert that into a, a data frame, Pandas data frame, and then you can automate off of that to, to then step through a couple of the steps. Yeah. So, Listen, no, I mean that's a really a really good point. That that one of the go back go back even two years, right? And um, um, one of the first steps that everyone would say on the network automation front was, oh. You need a single source of truth. You've got to put everything in a, in this single source of truth and then automate from that so you know that blah. And I think as we become, as we go through this, feels like we're getting a bit more pragmatic and saying, oh, actually, single source of truth is great, but in reality, you're going to have multiples of them. You're going to have, or, or if you like, systems of record rather than sources of truth. And, but I need to be able to make sure that I've only got it in one place and have a definitive one. Now, that definitive one, as you say, could be a spreadsheet. Why would it not be? We've been using them long enough, right, as, as part of network operations. So automating off of that is just as good, and I'm using air quotes this time, um, as, as it is automating off of, a, off of a custom database built for the purpose. Yeah. I suppose that there's always going to be benefits, right? If you if you run enough of a database, and you know, I certainly don't want to. 
I don't want to tout too much. Hey, Rick, because <laughs> you was on that Rick podcast, says. and you, you were saying that Excel spreadsheets should be used for network automation. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, but, no 100%. I see what you're saying. But this is the pragmatism thing again, right? Because because the chances are you've already got a spreadsheet with the information you need. What, you so, what you'll soon find out is... Do you know what? This would be so much better if it was in a database. And then you go to look at uh, actually building out the, the database side of things. And obviously, we, you know, we're, we're both members of the Network Design Partner Program, Netbox, or something like that. Is it would be, would, you know, is great for that sort of thing, right? So yeah, um, again, again, I guess becomes part of your important tooling um, in your in your yeah. ecosystem. So. But it's all about it's just all about kind of taking those small steps right because mm-hmm. ultimately you want to take a small step and then you want to kind of um stop and you might need to kind of change direction though because yeah. business, like something's going to happen you're going to you're going to realize that whatever you're doing people like people might have input you want to kind of change that or so there might be technicalities if you go you know heading down the path at an inc- a crazy speed then you're going to look back and go actually maybe i should have done this and that mm. so i suppose what i'm trying to say it's it's good to do it step by step kind of just take one part out automate it is that working okay and kind of going at that kind of start in that style i feel that you, you can you're going to build a kind of a workflow that everyone's invested in etc i was i was just going to say i mean that, that again this is this is the pragmatic approach right this is the the whole kind of don't don't try and do everything all at once don't try and build everything that that you think was is going to be a thing because it's never going to be what you think it's going to be right it's because it's always going to change because there's always going to be stuff that 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 sits outside the scope that you're going to have multiple vendors and that's going to be more difficult and so on and so forth so there's always no network is a is a green field that it's that whole that whole thing right so and and business priorities change as well, and I think this is this is something that gets where it becomes quite interesting, because when you start to show, when you start to build these things out, what becomes evident, I suppose, once you've got the data, is you can start to do some more interesting things with um, providing a business outcome, not just improving the efficiency of what you're doing um, at the at the ground level, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because there's, there's so many different like, benefits, isn't there, to network automation? A lot of yeah. folks just think, oh, it's all about. Typically, it's always been about the speed, but you know, yeah. you've got human error, and and I know I've said right. to you as well, but it's the it's the blood pressure of us, yeah, totally, right? Totally. Oh my god, you know, there, there's those weeks where you would you, you wouldn't see your family because you'd be, you know, firefighting after change that happened at the weekend and blah. You know, if you can take any of that pain out of out of the uh, the day to day life of a network engineer, then uh, you're onto a winner for me. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So <clears throat> I'm just thinking, Rick. I mean, with all of this said, then, do you, if I were to to give give you one sort of parting thought that you want to share with people. Um, on perhaps I don't know where, where they should you know what, what they should learn first or whatever. What what do you think? Uh, all around you when you say that you mean around kind of just general network automation. Yeah, right? yeah. Generally, how to how to 
how to start making your life better and what should you learn first that kind of thing yeah 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 i think i mean there's going to be a few things right and and first of the before you do anything whether you know this is going to come to many other fields as well and just general networking mm. is just having a good understanding of linux right right that's 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 always going to so serve you so well. so many people say this um and and it's it's an interesting one for me because as a network person i've always felt that i need to know as much about all everything else in the it ecosystem as i should anyway and i guess that's not necessarily always the case and and it's interesting that that we're now getting to the stage where we're saying well actually yes it makes sense for us to do this but this for a slightly different reason what what would your what what's your main reasoning with that one do you think uh, just there's with Linux, it kind of there's so many things that it, it helps with whether you're just if you're just doing general general coding, just, you know, just being able to jump in and out of a system. So, for example, yeah. if you're working with tools like uh, Scraply or Nornir and you're trying to install them you know, directly within Windows, I've seen <laughs> some folks have issues with that. Yeah, you know, they, they always suggest just going to, you know, WSL. And so they, they, they're built for that, right? They're, they're not built for it to be run with, with Windows. And I guess that's that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I've never kind of gone into the full technicalities of it. It's just uh, it, everything seems to work in WSL <laughs> and Linux on Windows. But so, yeah, Linux is a, is a really good thing to, to know. And, and when you start to do your version control, it's good to know, you know, how to how to kind of navigate the CLI at the end of the day. Yeah, I think so what you're saying, I suppose, is is understanding how these things are built and how they work without having to resort to sticking a GUI over the top or whatever. Because again, you lose the the abstraction, you lose the understanding of what's going on underneath that, right? And so so really what you're saying is by understanding it, you can use it in its in its native form and uh, and and get the most from using those tools. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So so like a couple of other examples where Linux like knowing Linux is really, really helpful and something we do on the on the courses and that's mm. you know hitting an API. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can use Postman, which is good. So it's a GUI for yeah. creating APIs. But actually using curl right. on the Linux command line is pretty good because if you stick a few verbose flags on that, you get to see the full all of the headers or all of the guts of what you're doing with that API right. Right. request and response. It's a really good it's a really good learning aid. And even to the fact that a lot of the time it's quite good just to see if you can get an API running within curl before you kind of you move on. Just, yeah, just yeah. like kind of one one example. Um, so yeah, that makes sense to me. It's uh, yeah, because like you say, it's it's just having that that lower level understanding that being able to get into the guts of what's going on. Um, it should should suit the nat uh, the natural um, inquisitiveness of a of a network engineer. I would have thought so. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And also the funny thing is, is that, you know, we've spoken about Ansible and it's a good way to go if you're not knowing, if you don't know Python and, it's, yeah. you know, it's got, because it's got a low barrier of entry, but, you know, you're going to be running that from 
a shell. <laughs> so obviously without all of the goodness of something like AWX or full workflow, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, you know, being able to then switch between the directories, that's going to massively help, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Linux is is a really good thing to know. And then I think on top of that, understanding your your you know, we've spoken about data already, but understanding your data formats mm. in terms of what is JSON, yeah. when do I want to use YAML, and the the key parts of them, like they all really really comp you know i say really really complex but certainly if you've never seen them before they they, they don't look straightforward do they yeah you look at them and you could oh well i've got these different i've got these different objects within json and i can do this but ultimately you know just knowing about your key value pairs and your arrays is it, going to serve you well you know yeah. and i yeah. say they look complex when you get you know hugely nested data <laughs> payloads yeah you know it's just kind of knowing how to kind of just work through that in your in your mind but i think knowing that is going to serve you well because you're going to be using that those data formats and and the those concepts yeah. throughout all of the different tools that you use yeah yeah yeah. so i think that um, that structured data thing and we, we you know just just sort of going back to an earlier point that idea of of knowing and understanding how how to structure data and what it's going to what it's going to give you by having it is probably uh, probably the key thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's probably just going to become more and more important as yeah. we we go through, right? Agreed. Agreed. Um, and more and more things are abstracted. <laughs> so uh, what? Yeah, and oh, gosh, I mean, we could go on for, for for weeks talking about this stuff. But I mean, if you even think about SDN and and controllers and so on, what's coming back from those things when you make API calls into them it's structured data right and you just need to understand what that means so even even when you point click through the, the UI that's great but as soon as you want to put that together with other things you you need to understand structured data even in those environments so yeah no 100% and then you know with with that data is is understanding your your APIs and I think APIs is a great thing to yeah. You know, to learn about because and to know because to be fair it's not just about communicating and speaking out to these network devices when it comes to network automation it's about yeah. all of these other systems sure your snow your jira your netbox wh whatever it might be yeah and, and working with that data between between those different systems or yeah. or your ip fabric I'll just, just get that in there. Oh, yeah, there is, there is, there is that. Yeah, I'll give you that. But, but again, yeah, that that enrichment that you can get from from having having that structured data, um, observability platforms, you know, streaming telemetry, all that good stuff, right? It's all in 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 the structured data forms, APIs everywhere, in order to ensure that everything's fully integrated and away you go, right? Yeah, I mean, and also with, you know, with APIs, you get that, I would say, what are the the big benefits? And and that's with, you know, web webhooks. Right. You know, webhooks being able to trigger out and send out API calls based on different events. And you can you can start to stitch things together in an, an event based manner. Yeah. In a yeah. really, really nice way. So. Um, so, yeah, APIs slash with with webhooks. It's yeah another great thing to know, and then on you know once you've got that, then 
what you know what do you want to do you want to start for your testing your config and then going back to those three pillars do you want to do your testing okay what testing frameworks what tools have we got what do you want to do do you want to do your configuration you can then kind of go from there but I, those underlying three parts you know of your linux your data formats and your apis they're going to serve you well whatever whatever one of those pillars those network automation pillars you you want to dive into so so yeah no no that's great thank you for your time uh rick i mean it's it's been great as always to chat um is there anywhere people can get hold of you if you're uh, if they're interested and got more questions yeah 100 percent. so you can reach out to me either on twitter so my handle is at rick j don you can find us over there along with our packet coders handle it um, at packet coders so yeah you can hit us up on on twitter or you can reach out to us via our website which is packetcoders.io and if you want to learn more about network automation we've got a free newsletter that you can sign up to over on our website so just to let you know again that's packetcoders.io and you can get free tips tricks delivered to your mailbox every every week and every month and uh, so yeah, yeah just head over to that that's perfect well thank you ever so much for your time mate it's been a blast as always uh, good to talk yeah and you darren thanks